Welcome back to the Community Christian Church Podcast. This week, we're joined by co-founding pastor John Ferguson for week one in our series, The Book of Philippians. Community is one church in four expressions, meaning online, in person, and in small groups around the globe. Learn more and plan your visit at communitychristian.org. When I was a kid growing up in a public school, the first thing we would do every day was stand next to our desks, put our hands on our hearts and say what? Right, the Pledge of Allegiance. I did a little Googling and and found out that the first version of the pledge was written as part of a marketing campaign for schools to mark the Columbian Exposition of 1892. The program included sending schools American flags, pictures of George Washington, and the original version of the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, outside of that tradition, saying the Pledge of Allegiance, we might not think of the idea of allegiance very often. But we do pledge our allegiance in a number of ways. For example, uh, most of us recognize our brand loyalty when it comes to products we buy, like a smartphone. You're either an Apple person or an Android person, right? And when you need a new phone, you don't usually think about switching brands because you are loyal to the brand you love. We also give our allegiance to certain restaurants. There may be dozens of restaurants within a quick drive or even within walking distance of where you live, but How often do you pick the same restaurant over and over again? Uh, Anybody do this? And many of us, when we go to that same restaurant, we order the same entree over and over again. Uh, My current restaurant of choice on the north side of Chicago is called The Hen for breakfast. used to be called The Stray Hen. I guess they found her, and now it's just called The Hen. And of course, many of us give our allegiance to sports teams. Around here, when it comes to baseball, you're someone who truly loves Chicago's team, the Cubs, or you're a Sox fan. You don't switch back and forth. Allegiance plays a big role in our lives. And I bring that up because over these next four weeks, we're gonna learn what it means to live out an authentic allegiance to Jesus. We're gonna study the book of Philippians together. And what we talk about here will be reinforced to the community daily, Monday through Friday. If you haven't signed up for the daily devotional, I encourage you to do that for this series especially. The book of Philippians is actually a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in a city called Philippi. And the book of Acts, a history of the early church written by the doctor and historian Luke, we're told that Paul had a vision of a man in the district of Macedonia asking him for help. And Paul believed that this vision was telling him he was to go and share the good news of Jesus with the people in that region. You see, Philippi was a leading city in the district of Macedonia. And as a Roman colony, the citizens of Philippi were expected to adopt the customs, values, and practices of the Roman Empire. Scholar N.T. Wright comments, the Philippian colonists were proud of being Romans and would do their best to order their civic life so that it matched the way things were done in Rome. The most recent innovation down that line was, of course, the establishment of the imperial cult. Caesar, the emperor, was to be worshipped as Savior and Lord. So, when Paul began sharing the good news that Jesus is king and inviting people to live as Jesus' kingdom community, his message faced strong resistance from those who were loyal to Rome. It'd be a little like, you know, someone dressed in a White Sox uniform walking into Wrigley Field and trying to convince fans to switch teams. Paul was calling people to citizenship in a different kingdom. 
And people had to make a choice to decide if their ultimate allegiance was going to be the Roman emperor or if it was going to be to Jesus, whether they would follow the Roman way or the kingdom way. You see, I believe allegiance, allegiance may be the best word to describe what it meant for them and what it means for us to declare our faith in Jesus. You know, often when we use the word faith, we think of a sort of kind of cognitive agreement. And so we might say, I have faith that God exists, or I have faith that Jesus died and rose again. And the New Testament contains examples where faith means believing that something is true or real. However, the original word for faith in the New Testament is pistis, pistis. And it has a, a much broader range of meaning than cognitive agreement. While it can mean believing something to be true, it can also mean fidelity, faithfulness, commitment, and pledged loyalty. And while faith in Jesus certainly includes agreeing that Jesus is the Son of God who died for our sins, putting your faith in him goes way beyond just merely believing that truth. I mean, after all, James, the brother of Jesus, reminds us that even demons believe truths about God. You see, faith in Jesus actually includes um, devotion to him, a commitment to him, a pledged loyalty to Jesus and Jesus alone. It means following his teachings, imitating his ways, saying yes to following Jesus means giving our full allegiance to him as king. And when Paul shared the good news about Jesus to the people in Philippi, some of them decided to switch their allegiance to Jesus. And that's how the church at Philippi was born. And then later on, while he was in prison, you see, Paul writes this letter to this church in Philippi to thank them for the gifts they sent to take care of his needs, but also to encourage and strengthen them. You see, he knew that every day they faced a battle for their allegiance, and he wanted to make sure they stayed faithful to Jesus. And see, that's why this book of Philippians is so relevant to us today, because see, every day we face a battle for our allegiance our allegiance to the person of Jesus over any other person, to Jesus over job or career, to Jesus over comfort and pleasure. And it's an allegiance to Jesus' kingdom over any country, its flag or political party. It's an allegiance to Jesus' kingdom over wealth and the pursuit of success and happiness. It's an allegiance to Jesus' kingdom over any other kingdom. While we are alive and breathing, we face a battle for our allegiance. And Paul wants to encourage us to stay faithful to Jesus. Now, Paul's letter starts with this greeting in verses one and two. So let's pick it up. Chapter one, verse one and two. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right off the bat. Paul describes himself and Timothy as what? Servants of Christ Jesus. Servants of Christ Jesus. And, and to understand the force of that word servant, it's important that we understand what that word meant in Paul's day. A servant in Paul's day was a person who was legally owned by someone else and had no freedom apart from what the owner allowed. And, and usually a person found themselves in that situation because they'd become indebted to another person and had to live as a servant as a way to pay off the debt. No one would choose to be a servant. But in that day, many people were as a way to survive. 
But you see, Paul willingly calls himself a servant of Jesus. He views himself as someone indebted to Jesus for his very existence. He no longer saw his life as belonging to himself. He belonged to King Jesus. And so it makes me wonder, have we surrendered our lives to Jesus in the same way? Have we surrendered our lives to Jesus in the same way? It's easy to pledge our allegiance to Jesus, you know, as long as we can still hold on to parts of our lives, right? I mean, we say, hey, I belong to you, Jesus, but I'm still going to run point when it comes to my job or my career. Or or I will follow you, Jesus, but, you know, I'll need some time before uh, my allegiance is reflected in my finances. Or or I'm yours, Jesus, but, you know, what I do in this one relationship over here, well, that's that's just going to be between us. So let me ask you, what are you unwilling to surrender in order to serve your king and his kingdom? What are you unwilling to surrender in order to serve your king and his kingdom? For me, see, I want to follow Jesus. I really do. And yet I have to admit, there are parts of my life that tend to remain under the reign of me and the kingdom of John. I mean, I'm all about declaring my allegiance to Jesus until it means giving up some of the stuff that I like or until living under his rule means I got to sacrifice what I have so others can live a better life or maybe find their way back to God. I'm willing to serve him, but if I'm honest... In some areas, it's still on my terms and not on his. But Paul, see, Paul viewed himself as a servant of Jesus. He recognized his life was no longer his own. He held nothing back. He'd given his full allegiance to Jesus. So let me ask, what would it mean for you to give your full allegiance to Jesus? What would you need to surrender? What territory in your life still remains under the rule of your kingdom and not Jesus' kingdom? Paul picks up steam and he describes how he's been praying for the Philippians. We pick it up at verse three. Follow along with me. I thank my God every time I remember you. And all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, from the start of this letter, there are two key ideas Paul really wants the Philippians to understand. First, Paul wants them to understand just how deep his love is for them. I mean, Paul just loves these people. I mean, the mere thought of them brings him joy. Do you have any of those kind of people in your life? Uh, People who, just the thought of them brings you joy. Uh, My kids are 23 and 25. My daughter, 23, and my son, 25. and, And I still feel that way when I think about them. They live in New York, way, way too far away. But you know, even as I was working on this talk, my daughter, Chloe, was, was texting me. And I, and I love that. I love hearing from them. And I can't wait until the next time we will be together in person because they bring me joy. And see, Paul had those same feelings. That's what he says he feels about this community of people in Philippi. And then secondly, Paul wants this church to know that he is confident God is going to complete every good work that he started in them. And no matter what kind of hardships this community faces, Paul is reassuring them, God will see them through. 
you know, I, I like to run. And this time of year, it's, it's fun to run along the lakefront in the city. And when I'm running along the lake, I often see people wearing finisher t-shirts. Ever see those? Finisher t-shirts? They're uh, t-shirts people get after completing a particular race. And usually these t-shirts are from longer runs, like a half a marathon or a full marathon. Um, you don't usually see t-shirts that say, I finished the one mile fun run. <laughs> Paul is saying here that if you maintain your allegiance to Jesus, if you stay true to him over the long haul, he's going to complete the good work he began in you because God is a finisher of what he starts. Again, from N.T. Wright, the confidence Paul has throughout this letter is that God himself is a finisher as well as a beginner. The particular work which he has begun and will finish is the work of grace through the gospel and the hearts and lives of the Philippian Christians. And verse six here, folks, it serves as kind of a, a motto or theme for the letter. Our God who began to go to work in you will complete that work. And that is great news, isn't it? Think about it. God is not just a beginner. He is a finisher. I know we all experience times of disappointment, discouragement. I mean, maybe even right now, you just don't feel like you're as far along as you hoped you would be by now. I get that. I feel that way. I can't believe how unfinished I am in certain areas. I thought I'd be way beyond some of this by now. But here Paul reassures us that God is going to complete the good work that he has started in you and in me and in all of us together. So don't lose hope. He is going to get us there. And remember, Paul writes this letter from prison. He's saying all this chained to a guard in house arrest as he prepares for trial. I mean, you know he had to be asking, God, is this it? Are you done with me? Is my life going to end this way with so much unfinished? He had to have his moments of questioning, you know, doubting what God was doing. And so it would only seem natural for him to be at least a little shaky and unsure when it comes to his allegiances. But in the midst of all that, look what Paul says. I mean, this is truly remarkable. Okay, starting at verse 12, follow along with me. He writes, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. All this tough stuff he's facing is advancing the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to, ev to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. God has done such a remarkable work in Paul that he even sees something as horrible as prison as an opportunity for God's good work. He sees uh, the Jesus kingdom advancing, not in spite of the circumstances, but through them. And as it advances through Paul, it emboldens other Christ followers even more. And there may be no truer test of your allegiance than when your very life is on the line for a cause. I think we would all agree that. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we looked at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three young men who were willing to face a fiery furnace for their allegiance to God. Paul knows that maintaining his allegiance to Jesus may cost him his life. And in one of the most daring and moving verses in all of scripture, he says this, verses 20 and 21. I eagerly expect and hope 
that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How does Paul respond when his allegiance is tested? When death itself is knocking on his door, Paul declares, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And if you were to read this sentence in its original language, the verb is isn't even there. So Paul's words, uh, they read like a, a death-defying declaration. To live Christ, to die, gain. That's a death-defying declaration of allegiance to King Jesus. To live Christ, Paul says, Everything about my life is centered on Jesus and his kingdom. Every breath I breathe, every prayer I pray, and every move I make is for Jesus. To live Christ and to die gain. What does that even mean? Well, if all of life is for Jesus, then death can only be seen as an advantage. For in death, Paul knows he will see Jesus face to face. I mentioned this at our Lincoln Park location a couple of weeks ago. I recently led the memorial service for a family friend. He was diagnosed with cancer just a couple of months ago, 49 years old, so young, so soon. But he made this comment in a text to his sister just days before he died. He said, I don't wanna die, but I'm not afraid to die. I don't want to die, but I'm not afraid to die. He wasn't afraid to die because he knew what was coming. To die gain. How might our lives be different if our allegiance to God meant he could do the same work in us that he was doing in Paul, where even in the midst of the worst of circumstances, facing death itself, we could say, to live Christ, but to die, gain. The first chapter of Philippians concludes then with a vision and a call, not just for Christians in the city of Philippi, but for Christ followers in Chicagoland and around the world. It's a call to clarify our allegiance. Paul says in verse 27 and 28, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Paul here is calling us to maintain our allegiance to Christ, not to a political party, a denomination, a tradition, a flag, or a particular cause. Maintain your allegiance to Jesus, Paul says, so that if I get to see you in person or just hear about you from someone else, I will know that you are standing together for the gospel. Look, I don't have to tell you, we are being pulled in all sorts of directions. Our loyalties are being challenged on the basis of so many ideas, even in the church. And some of these issues are important, but they are not matters over which we are to divide when our true allegiance is to Jesus. 
We will not agree on everything, but we can agree on our loyalty to him. That is what Paul calls the church in Philippi to do when he says, stand firm in the one spirit and strive together as one for the faith. And that's what he calls us to do. And you see, ultimately, this vision from Paul is the U plus vision here at Community. And living the U plus life involves us together as one, living out our allegiance to Jesus. So I wanna leave you with three countercultural ways that you can do that beginning this week. Number one, read Philippians with us every day via the Community Daily. Start tomorrow, read Philippians with us every day via the Community Daily. Secondly, discuss Philippians with a group of Christ followers, your small group or a group of friends who share your allegiance to Jesus. And then thirdly, look for ways that you can on your own or together as a group, be on mission to love and serve the world around you. See, that's a picture of the U plus life, us together living out our allegiance to Jesus. So join us over this next month as together we grow in this U plus life to live Christ, to die gain. That is the life God is urging us to live, the U plus life. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take a next step in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.